Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. If God is good, God is essentially good, everything that happens in life is good. So how do you reconcile it with pain, suffering, tragedies? And this is what faith is. Faith is, we don't understand it. With our mind, we don't understand it. But we have faith and we know that there's a different perspective. You have two different perspectives. You can have a, a, to a child, take a child to the doctor. To the doctor's child, the doctor is a monster. The doctor is pricking the child with needles. All the candy in the world is not going to change the fact that this child is horrified of the doctor. In his mind, the doctor is just a terrifying person, sticking him with needles, sharp needles. But when the child grows up and the child sees the bigger picture, not only is he not terrified, he breaks him, makes him, goes himself to the doctor, makes his own appointment, shows up, and waits. And waits, <laughs> and waits, and waits. <laughs> because when you see the bigger picture, you realize it's, it's, it's not what it seemed to be. Many people misunderstood the God of the old Bible, the God of the Bible, of the Torah, is a very wrathful God. The Torah is telling us, if this will happen, this terrible thing will befall you, and this terrible thing, God is always warning the Jewish people. And... Um, it's true to our history. I mean, the Jews uh, suffered uh, more than any other people. So it's like a parent warning a child. You know, don't walk barefoot. Because you know what's going to happen if you walk around barefoot. So the parent can't tell the child, you know what's going to happen if you walk around barefoot? You're going to get a foreign object. It's going to enter into your bloodstream. And you're going to turn gangrene. And we're going to have to amputate your leg. You're going to poison your whole body and you, you're going to be, you may die. And we won't have a choice, we're going to have to amputate your leg. Do you think a child can understand about gangrene, poisoning the body? All the child gets is that if I disobey my parents, they're going to cut off my legs. <laughs> you know, so it's a very childish understanding if you take it literally. That if something is going to happen, I'm going to be punished. It's not about the punishment. It's a consequence. If you behave a certain way, if you act in a way that's alien to your true nature, that's hostile to your true nature, that violently opposes your true nature, Torah warns a Jew, you're going to start begin to worship idols, and you begin to worship mammon, and you're going to forget what, you forget what, what you're all about and who you're all about. Then as a consequence, you're going to endanger and threaten your whole being. And therefore, as a, you may need an amputation to save, save the organism, to save your life. So it's actually a very gentle and merciful thing that the doctors are doing. When they amputate the person, imagine an aborigine that walks in for the first time in his life, walks into a hospital, and he sees ten men and women in white coats tying down this poor helpless person, tying him to a bed, taking out sharp knives and cutting him open. He would be yelling, bloody murderers. 
bunch of bandits. Look what they're doing, this innocent person. They're tying him down, they're cutting him open. They ganged up against this innocent person. From his point of view, that's exactly what's happening. He can't even begin to fathom that not only aren't these ten people murderers, these ten people are the most the kindest, most compassionate people. They're doing, they're saving this person's life. They're operating in him and saving his life. But he can't see the bigger picture. He doesn't get the bigger picture. Like the little child doesn't get the bigger picture. So from his perspective, it looks, it appears to be pain, suffering. It appears to be something negative. While the truth is, from a higher point of view, if you see the bigger picture, you realize that it's all, it's all for the good. Because God cares about us, loves us more than we love ourselves. God feels our pain. It's like the parent who has to amputate the child. It hurts the parent more than it hurts the child. Having to amputate your own child. But it's the merciful thing to do. You're saving the child's life when the child's life is in danger. So this is faith. We don't understand it. We know that our minds and our awareness is extremely limited. How much is 365 times 474? I have no idea. You have no idea. So if, fi- so if we can't figure out something so simple, you think we're going to figure out life? There are people in working this church that could have told Okay, okay. But, but if most of us, if we can't figure out something so simple, you think we're going to figure out life? Life is so infinitely complex. So we have faith that Hashem is good and He is running this world. And nothing happens in this world without Hashem. And Hashem loves us more than we love ourselves. And He feels us. And He cares about us. And He's with us in the pain. And He feels our pain. So if there would be any other way of achieving the positive purpose without the pain, even without our prayer, God would never allow this to happen. So obviously, if He allows this to happen, it's for our good. And many times you don't see it until, with hindsight, you look back and you realize how this opened up a whole new path in your life. It's opened up a whole new door in your life. So the question is, what's the connection? If someone receives his pain and suffering with joy, so the verse says, what's going to be his reward? His reward is going to be, oh, Mashiach will come. It says, Mashiach will come, Hashem will, the sun will emerge out of its cover, out of the ozone layer, out of its, out of its sheath. Maybe that's what's going on now. We have the sun is coming out of its ozone layer. And, um, um, and the tzaddikim, those who love him, will bask in that ray. Will bask in the rays of the sun. Versus those who are wicked, those who are evil, will actually be burnt by those rays. Will, will suffer from, from those rays. So the connection, what's the connection? What's the connection from... What's the commensurate? Hashem rewards a person measure for measure. It has to be commensurate. So because a person rejoiced in this pain and suffering and received it with faith and, received, and blessed Hashem and received it with joy, therefore Hashem will reward him that in the future when Mashiach will come, he will bask in the rays of the sun. Hashem is compared to the sun. When godliness will emerge and godliness will surface and godliness will be revealed, this, this person will bask in the rays and he'll be rewarded, justly rewarded. What's the connection? So he explains the connection. Externally, materially, the person is suffering. You're lacking in something material. Whether financial or whatever challenge you may be facing. But since you realize that this suffering comes from Hashem, directly from Hashem, and it actually comes from a deeper place within Hashem, from Hashem's, it's a more intimate revelation. Hashem is revealing a more intimate side of Him. 
And that's why since it's so intense and so powerful, it has to come down in the disguise. It's like a blessing in the skies. And it comes down in a very vague, fuzzy way, in an unclear way, and to us it appears as pain and suffering. But since you feel, you sense Hashem's intimacy, that makes you feel, that gives you joy. You feel Hashem's closeness. You feel He's so close to Hashem. You're closer to Hashem in tragedy than you are in goodness. When something good happens, obviously good, therefore you feel good about that closeness. Not that it doesn't bother you, the pain doesn't bother you, but you, you rejoice in the intimacy, in the closeness that you feel to Hashem, that you got much closer to Hashem, that Hashem trusts you enough, Hashem cares about you enough and trusts you enough to speak to you in this higher level and to relate to you in a much higher level and a much deeper level. And therefore, He's speaking to you in a different language. Not a language you expect, not a language that you're used to. And it's very hard to decipher the language, but you realize that Hashem is speaking to you. And Hashem trusts you, and you feel that intimacy, and you feel that caring, and you feel that closeness, and that warmth. And you rejoice in it. So if you rejoice in Hashem, that means that Hashem is more primary to you than anything external. So the reward will be measure for measure, will be commensurate. That Mashiach will come, you will bask in the glory when Hashem's name, the revelation of godliness, will emerge and surface and, and be, become evident. And you'll be conscious of it, you will rejoice. You will, that will be your reward. Because just like in this, during the exile, during the time before Mashiach comes, when godliness is hidden and concealed, you didn't take things at face value. You look deeper, and you realize the hidden depth, the hidden good. So too, when that will come, emerge out of hiding, you will also appreciate it. Because you define yourself by spirituality. So a world which, where godliness becomes self-evident, you will luxuriate in that world. You will thrive in that world. You will flourish in that world. It will make you the happiest person. But a person whose whole identity was material, his whole identity, he has an external, superficial identity. His whole identity is ego. What he has in his bank account and how many cars he has and just what he possesses and what he carries, that's his whole identity. He identifies himself by his externals, through, through material things. In a world which is, becomes essentially godly, the person will be lost. Such a person will not appreciate it. Where, where are my toys? Where are my... Suddenly it will be completely devalued. Everything that he invested his life in. Everything that he defined himself. In this world, he could be on the tops of the Forbes 400. But Mashiach will come. And everyone's priority will be... We'll have, we'll have our priorities straight. And godliness will become evident and self-tangible. He could be the biggest pauper in the world. So suddenly from king of the world, the most powerful, the mightiest, the wealthiest, the most celebrated, he'll discover he's absolute nothing. Meaningless. Absolutely no one even looks at him. He's nothing. He's the poorest of the poor, the biggest pauper. But the person who identified himself by spirituality and godliness in the world of Mashiach will discover that he's the richest. He will thrive. This is the greatest reward, being close to Hashem. That is the biggest riches. That's what you have internally. No one can take that away from you. So it's measure for measure, it's commensurate. Because he focused on the inner, even while he was suffering, even while living in a world that defines itself by externals and materialism, he focused on the inner. So when Mashiach will come, the inner will become most prominent. That will be his greatest reward. That will be his biggest riches. He'll feel justly rewarded. It's like the beautiful story of the Baal Shem Tov. 
The Baal Shem Tov used to take his students to learn from the simple Jews, to learn lessons from the simple Jews. And he once wanted to show them what trust in Hashem, what true trust in Hashem is all about. So he takes his students, these were the leading rabbis, mystics, and scholars of Eastern Europe, the most brilliant minds of Eastern Europe. And he takes them to an inn. Anyway, the innkeeper was excited, such illustrious guests, the Baal Shem Tov and the students. He prepares breakfast for them. In the middle of breakfast, the, uh, a policeman walks in and knocks on the table three times. He said, what's this? He says, well, I owe my rent. And this is second to the last warning that I have to pay my rent today. And if I don't pay my rent today, he says, what happens if you don't pay your rent? This, was, this wasn't rent control apartments in New York. This was uh, in the olden days in Eastern Europe. If you didn't pay your rent, you went to debtor's prison, which was a dungeon. And you were lucky if you ever came out alive. He says, well, if I don't pay my rent... Myself, my family, will all end up in, in the dungeon. The students say, you know what? Go pay your rent. We'll wait, and then we'll continue eating breakfast. He says, no, 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 let's eat. Don't worry. No, no, he says. The student says, insisted. You go pay the rent. Away. He says, no. He says, why, why don't you go pay the rent first? He says, the truth is, I'll tell you the truth, I don't have it. <laughs> so they lost their appetite. He's about to be thrown into the dungeon. And here... The only relaxed one around the table was this true, this innkeeper. He was totally relaxed. Anyway, an hour later, the policeman comes back, knocks on the table, bangs on the table three times, and he leaves. So he tells the students, well, this is the last warning. So now I have to go. So he goes to the closet, takes his coat, and he starts leaving. The students say, where are you going? He says, what do you mean where I'm going? I'm going to pay the rent. He said, what do you mean pay the rent? You just told us you don't have it. He says, uh, that's true, I don't have it. But Hashem will help, God will help. <laughs> and he goes, very calm, very relaxed. And he goes out the door, the students run to the window and to the porch, and they want to see what's going to happen. And they see as he's walking down the road, someone pulls up in the carriage, pulls up, and starts talking to him. And uh, they're having this animated conversation, and then the carriage starts pulling away. And the Jew continues to walk. And then suddenly they see the carriage turn back around, goes, goes up to the Jew, and the person sitting in the carriage speaks to him again and gives him something. And the Jew continues to walk, and the carriage walks towards the inn. And the carriage drives towards the inn. Anyway, the students are very curious to see what happened. So he comes to the inn, and he tells them, you know, I decided this morning that I want to do business with a Jew. You know, he's an innkeeper. I want to sell him whiskey, beer, you know, for all the people are traveling. And uh, I really like him. He's honest. He's a good person. I want to become a partner with him. I'll provide him the material, and he'll, he'll sell it. We'll be partners. But the Jew, the Jew was asking for a little too much money. He wanted a little too much for the partnership. The Jew says, listen, take it or leave it. The, the, the amount the Jew asked was the rent that he owed. So I said, listen, I love the Jew, but it's a little too much money. It wasn't what I had in mind. So I left. But then I thought to myself, I really like him. He's honest. You know, it's worth it. Better do business with someone who's honest than I trust, who's a good person, you know, than doing business. So I decided I'll bite the bullets. I turned back. 
I gave him the money. He says, oh, good, go to the inn. I'll be back. I have to go pay, pay my rent. And then, uh... and the students were astounded. They saw a live demonstration of what true trust in Hashem is. They envied the simple Jew. Halavai, they were able to have this simple trust. And this was genuine trust. He was genuinely relaxed. It wasn't an act. The Torah says, I should be relaxed. I'm going to be relaxed. He was relaxed. He was relaxed. Calm. Not a care. No concern. Hashem is going to help. There's no question. How? What? When? Where? I'm checkmated. It's the last second. I have no idea. But, you know, so. Even the sword, the sword is on his throat. It, he would completely trust. And if you have that level of trust, the money will always be there. There's no question. But you have to earn it. How do you earn it? By achieving that level of trust. If you don't have that level of trust, then, then you operate in the normal frame of reference. The normal frame of reference of the universe, there are rules, there are laws. There's the possible and there's the impossible. The impossible, you can't do the impossible. So then you have to go by the possible. And then, in order to achieve the greater good, the only way to do it is through, by undergoing this painful, painful moment. And it's all for our good. And that's our faith that we have that everything that already happened to us in the past, something that already happened to us, we accept it with faith. We bless Hashem. Baruch, Dayanamas, we bless Hashem. We accept His judgment. And in a certain sense, we even experience His intimacy and His love for us. And, his close, and we feel very close to Hashem in that moment. And therefore, it gives us a certain joy, not because of the painful event. The joy is the closeness that we feel with Hashem. That gives us joy. Inner joy. It's not a joy that we're dancing, but it's an inner joy. We feel close to Hashem. But if you have trust in Hashem, then all bets are off. Then you touch the essence of God. When you touch the essence of God, there are no rules, there are no laws, because God created the rules in the first place. All of the rules in the universe. And if God has to recreate the whole universe just so that this good thing should happen, change all the rules of God to do the impossible. What's God for if not do the impossible? This is trust. So this is the paradox that on one hand, a Jew never makes peace with pain and suffering. On one hand, we have faith, complete faith in Hashem that everything that happens in this world comes directly from God. 100%. And we have faith. And we bless Hashem. And we feel intimate with Hashem. Very deep down inside, a certain sense of joy that's hard to describe and hard to explain. But on the other hand, God forbid to make peace with pain and suffering. And God forbid to make peace with your fellow's pain and suffering. It's only with your own pain and suffering that you have to bless Hashem and you have to feel a certain sense of joy. But another person's suffering. God forbid to make peace with another person's suffering. When another person suffers, you have to help them. You have to empathize with them. Don't sit and teach them about faith and teach them everything is wonderful and it's good and you're blessed and you're, you're chosen and it's wonderful. No. You have to empathize with them. You have to do everything in your power to alleviate their pain, to help them and to cry with them and to feel their pain. And to feel the tragedy. Not to justify it, God forbid. It's only in relation to your own pain and suffering that we bless Hashem and we accept it with a certain sense of inner joy. But even with ourselves, at the same time, we can't make peace with pain and suffering. We pray to Hashem and we have trust in Hashem that not only in the future will things be good. Now, things should be good now. Here and now, this moment. The negative itself should turn into positive. It should be tangibly good. When the godly spark within us comes into focus, when the godly spark within every human being comes into focus, when we act in a way that's consistent with our godly nature, 
when every human being will act in a way that's consistent with their God nature, there will no longer be any pain, there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any, any evil. The world will, everything will fall into place. So a Jew can never make peace with pain and suffering. We don't justify pain and suffering, we don't surrender to pain and suffering. Judaism is not about surrender. And therefore we have a mitzvah to pray, we have a mitzvah to avert the terrible decree, to fight, to storm heaven, to do everything in our power. And that's why, at the same time that we have faith in God, that everything that God does is good, and everything that happens in this world comes directly from God, and God isn't totally in charge and control of this world. Everything, we don't lift a pinky without God, everything is Hashem. And therefore we bless Hashem for everything, and therefore we're, we, we, are, we rejoice with everything, because we know everything comes from Hashem, and we feel the intimacy with Hashem, but at the same time, we cannot make peace with pain and suffering. And we pray to Hashem that everything should be tangibly good, and we have complete trust in Hashem that everything will be tangibly good. And when you have that trust in Hashem, then things, things turn out right. Reminds me of the story, it was uh, during the Holocaust, in the concentration camp, there were a group of rabbis who decided to call, to convene a court case. Who was the defendant? God Almighty Himself. They were calling God to a court case. Okay? A few rabbis gathered together and they summoned God. God is everywhere. So there was no problem in summoning God to the court. They said, God practices what He preaches. He has to live by the same Torah that he expects us to live by. But based on the Torah, what right does he have to turn a half a million babies into soap? Based on what? There's no sin in the world that can justify what happened in the Holocaust. And they're going on and on. And finally, one of the rabbis gets up and he turns to his colleagues and says, He says, It's getting late. It's time to daven mincha. Time to pray our afternoon prayers. And there's no contradiction. On the contrary. If you have no faith, what do you mean argue arguments against God? Who are you arguing against? There was a, a fellow called Hitler, a madman called Hitler. He hated Jews. And he, he decided to kill Jews. I mean, who, who, who are you arguing against? Who are you complaining against? There's no one to complain to. There's no one to argue with. The arguments and the complaints come from faith. It's because we have faith. Because we know that nothing happens in this world without Hashem's permission. So it's not that one day Hitler decided. He couldn't do a thing. He can't lift a pinky to hurt another person. Unless it was decreed in heaven. A person, you don't have the freedom of choice to harm another person. You don't have the freedom of choice to lay a pinky in another person. And if the other person is harmed or inconvenienced, it's because it was decreed in heaven. So it's because you know and you have faith that everything comes from Hashem. That you cry out, Hashem. Why the pain? Why the suffering? And it's that for that same reason that you complain to Hashem and you say and you pray. What is prayer all about? How can you pray? What's the point of prayer? If there was any other way to accomplish this without the painful way, even without our prayer, before we even open our mouth to pray, God would have done it in the positive way. If there's a way to save this person without operating on him, if there's a way to save his leg without amputating, you have to pray, don't amputate. Obviously. 
Hashem would not amputate. So obviously there was no other way. So what's the meaning of prayer? What are you praying for? It's impossible. There's no other way to do this. And the answer is, in prayer, a Jew is asking Hashem to do the impossible. God could do the impossible. We are asking Hashem to do the impossible. Yes, we know it's impossible. There is no other way to accomplish the greater good without doing this inconvenience, without undergoing this painful, this painful experience. But we turn to Hashem and we say, you have, you're undefined. There are no limits. You can do whatever you want. You created the world. You're not straitjacketed by the universe. You created the universe with all the rules and laws in the universe. So yes, by every single rule and law in the universe, this is impossible. So, what's God for if not to do the impossible? That's why we're praying to God. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray to anyone else. Only to God. Because only God can do the impossible. And when a Jew trusts Hashem, and when you pray to Hashem, you're connecting with the essence of God. When you're connecting with the essence of God, all bets are off. The impossible could happen. And we turn to Hashem and say, whatever you wanted to accomplish through the Holocaust. Why did you accomplish it in the positive? How? It's impossible? Okay, so you're God. Figure it out. If something spectacularly good will happen to you, maybe you'll accomplish the same thing. We don't understand. We don't begin to understand. We don't begin to fathom what's going on. It's so much deeper, it's so much beyond our understanding. But because we have faith in God, and because we know it comes from God, we turn to Hashem and say, listen Hashem, you can do the impossible. So it's not enough that the end is good. We also want the means to the end to be good. It should, the means should be pleasant, tangibly good in ways that we, human beings, finite, limited human beings, the children that we are, we should understand that it's good. We should see that it's good. It should be tangibly good. And we know that's the power of prayer. When you truly pray, and you mean it, and you truly trust in Hashem, genuine trust in Hashem. As the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe once said, he says, you want to know what trust is? Even if you know you're expecting a huge check, expecting a lot of money. You can't compare the knowledge of it to the tangible when you're actually holding it in your hand. When someone delivers the money to you and you're holding it in your hand, the certainty and the joy that you have by holding it in your hand, even though you know, you know it's coming, it's not the same. And you feel it and you hold it and it's in your pocket. Now the joy is complete. So you want to know what trust is? Trust is that when your pockets are empty, you have such trust in Hashem that the money will be there. That when the money comes, actually comes, it's in your pocket, it doesn't add one iota to, to your feeling of certainty and joy. You were so certain and you were so joyful before the money came that when the money came, it makes sense. Yeah, of course, I had it already. It's in my pocket. It doesn't add it. If you really have such a level of trust, the money will be there. <laughs> this is for real. This is not the, this is not the game. If you really have such a level of trust in Hashem, such a level of confidence and trust in Hashem, in Hashem's goodness, and Hashem can do anything, and you pray with such sincerity and such fervor, then miracles will happen, the impossible will happen, and the money will be there. Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky